This podcast contains spoilers for 1997's Final Fantasy VII, the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, and 2020's Final Fantasy VII Remake. So if you don't want any of these to be spoiled, now's your chance. And now it's time for the Super Fun Good Time Podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Super Fun Good Time Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Tony. I'm Jill. And I'm Alex. And we're back for another episode. Guys, we did it. Episode two, we made it. I don't know if you know this, but most episodes, excuse me, most podcasts that start only have one episode. They never get to a second episode. (laughs) What? It's actually not true. I made it up. I made it up right (laughs) now. But what's convincing though, right? You believe me, right? Did you believe me? (laughs) It was. Are you telling me something on the internet isn't the truth? It is. What I just told you was a flat out lie. And I'm going to continue with my stream of lies. <laughs> I, you've shattered my as world, As long as sir. it's not lies about the game. Never. We would never do that. We have, journal, we have journalistic integrity. <laughs> um, the th- our, us three journalists. So now just to remind everyone, the three of us are doing this podcast for funsies. We do this because we just want to talk about video games that we love. In this episode, we're going to talk about the second chapter of Final Fantasy VII Remake titled Fateful Encounters. But before we can really dive in, we got to do some grinding. So this first segment is the grind, where we talk about kind of the things that we've been doing to level up ourselves this week and get better and, and grow in our lives. And I'll start us off. So I've been using learning how to use my new DAW, which is like the, the application that you use on your computer to write music. Uh, it's complicated, and for the first time in my adult life, I'm reading the user manual for something, which I never do. Uh, and it, it, mostly because it was labeled, like if you look uh, on the website for uh, Reaper, uh, it was labeled a quote-unquote essential reading. I have to say, I literally read every instruction manual you that do. comes with everything I receive before I, I – I'm, I'm a rule follower, and I do it before I use the product at all. I'm like you, Tony. Yeah. I, I get halfway through projects. Before I start reading something. Oh, 100%. I, I, will, I will get to the point where it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then I'm either going to YouTube it or I'm, I'm just not going to do it anymore. But that's what I've been doing. And so I've been I've been getting better at that. Nice. Alex? Um, so I'm, I'm still painting. Um, I, I've painted, I think, four things now that I've, I've thought have been worthy of keeping. I have found certain things that I think I'm good at. Um and certain things I am not good at. And I spent the most amount of time like trying to get like a sky for a landscape painting I was doing. Sky and clouds especially. He's so bad at clouds. They <laughs> just really funny because we're spending this podcast talking about cloud. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh, the irony. Right? <laughs> clouds, man. <laughs> I love that. I like I like that you could be bad at something that, that to probably just somebody who doesn't paint seems like would be the easiest thing to paint. Right? <laughs> You know, I looked up videos and I was like, oh, that looks so great. And I would try and I'm like, what the hell am I doing wrong? He did one painting where I think he painted over it four times mm-hmm. because he didn't like the way the clouds turned out. And even even when I finished it, um, which I, I'm actually at the point now where I actually liked it. But when I finished it, like I put my paintbrush down. I was like, that's garbage. I told you, oh, that's garbage. I'm throwing that away. Whatever. I went and... And I grabbed uh, a glass of wine. I think we had some wine that night. I grabbed a glass of, of wine or whatever it is that we had. 
And I went back out and I looked at it. I was going, and I went, oh, actually, it's, it's not too bad. So alcohol helped. That was the one that he sent to you guys that everyone thought was like a masterpiece. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The one that I said you had to pay the crocket on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's what his clouds look like at one point anyway. So potential spoilers for you, Jill, for the rest of, of Final Fantasy VII, at least the original story. What? I really hope that they include that part of the story in the remake, and we just call it the rocket. 100%. I don't know what you're talking about, so I don't know what you're spoiling. When we get to it, I will let you know. But anyway, so in my life, I mentioned last week that I've been baking. Yes. So I did finally get some yeast in the mail. I got a one-pound bag from Amazon. And I actually baked bread yesterday. Nice. We saw. It was awful. <laughs> no, hold up. Hold the up. Bread, wait. The bread was good. The experience was awful. The bread was amazingly delicious. Is. We had it. We had it with breakfast and with lunch today. It is amazing. That's the best part about that about bread is like it makes so much. Yeah. That you can eat it for like days. Yeah, we'll probably end up maybe. I mean, depending on how fast we get through it, we may freeze some of it. Oh yeah, I, I'm fat, so I eat it all. Uh, we'll probably eat it all. I was gonna say I don't think before there's, we there's before a good we came to record, that. Alex is like, I want a piece of bread. It's so good. Yeah, I just bought some flour, so I need to make some more bread this week. I do have to say, like. There were multiple nervous breakdowns for both of us with this bread. Like we tried to knead it and it wasn't kneading. Like it was, it was a, a miserable experience. I would say. Yeah, it was a miserable experience, and I definitely had a had a breakdown, partly because I've have not been anywhere in like almost sixty days. Yeah. Hashtag quarantine life. <laughs> yeah, I find that the bread thing gets easier the more you do it, though. Yeah, I think part of it was that. It was the recipe. Mm -hmm. Next time, I'm definitely going to try a no-need recipe. Uh, yeah. And my, I don't know what's happening with my mixer. My mixer could not handle it. Yeah, we have the, we have some hardware issues Yeah, it's like bouncing around for some reason. And I tried tightening the hinge, but it still like was bouncing around and like it would stop. I, I've never like completed the kneading process. I always have to finish the kneading out, out of the mixer. Mm -hmm. I've never been able to do the whole thing in the mixer. Okay. But yeah, bread. So we're just going to move right on to our next segment, our segment uh, called Level Up, where we talk about anything awesome that's happened in our lives, you know, just stuff we've got going on, birthdays, promotions, things that aren't actually happening. Like in my life, because the only thing that's happened is my mom's birthday was on the 29th, so we had a nice family video chat. Um, nice. That was fun. And my Animal Crossing Island reached five stars. So that's really what I've got going on right now. I think that's pretty amazing. Getting to getting to three stars was a chore for me. I can't even imagine. <laughs> like, I have no I have no intention of getting to five stars. I'm just going to make my island as pretty as my heart desires. And then whatever stars that is, that's the stars I'm cool with. There you go. So, Tony, what do you have going on? So I finally, uh, as was evidenced by the last episode, wrote the theme song for Super Fun Good Time, this podcast that you're listening to. Uh, it took a little bit of time, and I, ha you know, I had a couple of ideas rolling around in my head, and I think I finally came up with one that that fit the uh, the, the vibe and the energy that we we're going for. So I felt pretty good about that. Yeah, it's it's incredible. We we both love it. Love it, and I hope that everyone else loves it too. I hope so too, Alex. Um. So my level up for since the last episode was I finished that Uru painting with the damn sky and the damn clouds. Um, that was a chore and a half. 
Uh, Jill also wanted me to add that I finally started watching a show that she's been telling me that I should watch for a long time. I started watching The Good Place. I need to watch that. Um, and you do. It is incredible. Um, but the one problem that Alex has with that show is that I can only watch the first three seasons and there's only one more season after that, but it's not streaming on any site. It is streaming. There have a, a couple episodes of season four on Hulu. Uh-huh. But it's only like the last four of that season. So I'm currently uh, in show limbo right now and just waiting for season four to come out on some streaming service. Oh, my it, goodness. This is, not, this is not a good place for me. I'm, <laughs> I'm not having a good time with this. It's not, you're not at the good place right now? I am not at the good place. I'm actually fairly <laughs> certain this, this is the bad place waiting for this season. <laughs> it's torture. Um, but I do have some some off script good news that I got uh, yesterday. I got assigned a project that's not just for my company that I work at, but for our entire parent company. They they wanted me to work on some more Zoom uh, oriented projects just based on, I guess, my progress and my client's progress. So that was that was good to hear. That's awesome. That's really good to be successful that way. The next segment that we have is the super fun good diversions. In this segment, we talk about all the games that we're playing that uh, isn't the Final Fantasy VII remake. I'll go first because I've barely played any other games. I've barely played any other games, but I've been playing Pokemon Go, but I'm really just using it as like motivation to get up and like walk around because the more steps you take uh, in the game, the more eggs you can hatch, the more you know gifts and prizes you can earn and stuff like that. Uh, other than that, I really, really haven't been doing much, much else. I will say, uh, especially now that I've actually finished playing the remake on hard mode, I do plan on picking up finally The Witcher 3. Oh, my God. I know. You'll hear me say this so many times in this podcast. That is my favorite game of all time. I love that game. I think it's the greatest game ever made. I know. I, <laughs> That's what I know. a lot of people have said. I like that it's the third game in the series, though. I think it just took this long for it to become like a... A little bit more mainstream because I'm not 100%. I've only played The Witcher 3. I know that The Witcher 2 and 1, they were on PC, but I, I, they definitely weren't on PlayStation. Possibly The Witcher 2 was on Xbox. Yeah, I think but it I was guess... actually. I was supposed to. So, a little bit of backstory this may get cut out, but one of my coworkers refused to let me play The Witcher 3. This is part of the reason why it's taken me so long. She refused to let me play The Witcher 3 until I played The Witcher 2. So, she actually lent me her Xbox 360. So I no, I gave it back. She lent me her Xbox 360 so I could play her copy of The Witcher 2. But I went to go plug everything in, and the Xbox 360 was actually broken, and it was broken before she gave it to me. So I haven't been able to play either game yet. But I've just decided we're quarantined. I'm breaking my promise to her that I said I would play Witcher 2 before Witcher 3, and I'm just going to buy Witcher 3. If you're listening, I apologize. I just gotta, I gotta do something with my life. This now. is the greatest choice that you're making of all time ever. So. <laughs> Breaking a promise to a friend? Yes, this is the only time it's acceptable to break a promise to a friend because it's a preposterous promise. You don't need to play The Witcher Two to even enjoy The Witcher Three because they give you so much backstory. Okay. Well, I'm still not playing any other video games besides Animal Crossing, um, but I have been watching more shows on like streaming stuff. So I did watch um, Never Have I Ever on Netflix. It's actually Mindy Kaling's new show, and it's oh, okay. pretty good. Um, I did. I watched the whole first season. It's ten episodes. Um, yeah, I really liked it. 
It was good. Was She's brilliant. Thing. She's yeah, so brilliant. Love her so much. I, um, that's awesome. I do want to point out that I didn't notice until right now, but Jill, you put for your part of this, uh, for the script, you put still Animal Crossing. Womp womp. I did. Why? <laughs> I don't play anything else. Womp womp. Womp womp. <laughs> that's all you need to play. Tony's the one that's been playing games. Mm-hmm. I play too many games, guys. I just I just can't help it. And I start so many games and don't finish them. But I have finished so many games since we last recorded. It shouldn't be what game have you played since the last time we recorded. What games haven't you played? What games have you not played since the last that, time we That's probably a shorter list. So I'm going to go through what I've got here. So the big one that I'm going to talk about that I played through that I've been really wanting to play through. I play, I started it so many times. I started it when it came out on PS2. I've uh, never oh, beat yeah. it. And then I bought it when they re-released like the little remaster thing of it on PlayStation. I guess not a remaster, it's the port um, on PlayStation 4. And I've started it so many times to never beat it. And finally I was like, I'm going to just beat this game. I'm going to beat it. And it's called Rogue Galaxy. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's uh, level 5, which is the same studio as like, I don't know if anybody's played the Dark Cloud games. Yes. Um, I played Dark Cloud 1 and I own Dark Cloud 2. And I loved Dark Cloud 1. It was Rogue Galaxy was a pretty good game. Uh, it was mostly enjoyable. Um, the dungeons were, felt like they were like a little bit too long, and sometimes like uh, like the battles were needlessly difficult. Not in like a way that was challenging. Like it, even in the strategy guide, like when I would look up boss like strategies, it'd be like, yeah, you just need a lot of healing items. Like there's no like there's no 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 mechanic to employ here. You just need to make sure you have enough money to buy potions. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, that's not very fun. So the exact opposite of hard mode in Final Fantasy VII. Ex- the exact opposite. Uh, and the last boss was actually 10 encounters in a row. Holy crap. And I got to the last encounter, and be- on the first encounter that you do, you had, like, your party that you use, and then you win that. But, like, they don't heal you after that battle. And then you have, like, all your party members have to do an individual encounter, encounter with some other boss, which I have been – had. there are some party members that I had not used the whole game. Like, I just didn't <laughs> want to use them. And I didn't realize that they were going to have to be used later. Uh, and then I got to the, like the 10th encounter, which was like the main character, but he had not healed from the previous battle and had like no HP and got popped one time. And I had to do all 10 over again. Like, oh no. I was the most mad I've ever been, but it's like, you know, it's like one of those things that it was, it wasn't a remaster. It was a port. So they didn't fix any of those like weird old, like old school mechanics that everybody doesn't use anymore. Uh, but that was very frustrating. Uh, other games that I have beat. Since the, this is the real list of games that I have beat since we recorded, <laughs> okay, uh, and the and the list is uh, it looks like five games that I beat. Uh, Ninety nine Vitas, and they're all short. Ninety nine Vitas was like a couple of hours. It's like a, a side scrolling beat 'em up, like in like the old Streets of Rage game. It was terrible, and I did not like it. But I had it in my backlog, and I wanted to delete it, and so I played it. Uh, Burly Men at Sea, which was like a thirty minute game, and it was just like basically like an interactive storyteller about these three dudes with beards who, like, go and, like, they find their boat and they find a treasure map and they're trying to, like, find this treasure. And it was outstanding. It was so good. The music was ridiculous. Uh, The story was cute. Uh, One of my favorite things about the game is, like, sometimes the sound effects, instead of being sound effects, there would be people making the sounds with their mouth. Interesting. So, So, like, you visit a blacksmith and he's hitting a hammer. And instead of it, like, being the sound of a blacksmith hitting a hammer, it was some guy going, shoop. Like just making the sound with his mouth. And it was like just so clever. Like it was just such a clever way to do that, to inject this like humor in the storytelling. I love that so much. Like 
Yeah, you should get you should get the game. It's probably super cheap. I got it for free. What I think it was like a free game of the month one time. But it was it was such a clever move. Yeah, I'll pick that up. I have to say that reminds me of like any kid who plays with a lightsaber and they make the whooshing sound. One hundred percent. I think that's what it is. It probably like speaks to something like in our inner child, like most things do. Uh, what remains of Edith Finch? I beat, which is like I don't know what to describe as this like genre of game. I just call it a walking sim because I heard people on Game Informer calling that one time, uh, which is basically like there's not like real like it's not like action. You're just walking around and interacting with the environment and like experiencing a story. Oh, I feel like that's a game that I would like. Probably. Uh, it was a couple of hours. Like all these games were super short. A couple of hours and amazing. It was super super good. Super emotional. Really good storytelling. Really clever like storytelling mechanics. Again, a game that you should check out and probably is pretty cheap. Um, Let's see. I beat a game called Sonic Forces, which was the free game one month on PlayStation like this year, I think. Yeah, I tried to play that game and I I lost interest like two minutes in. It was it was very not good. <laughs> <laughs> it was a not good game out of ten. Um, <laughs> and it, it I'll, it's just like the story was super cheese. Like I got what they were trying to do. Some of the levels were kind of fun, but like. It was like a weird thing. Like you'd have this mechanic where you could like where you jumped up like with Sonic would, and there was like a targeting mechanic where you would hit the X button and it would zoom to that target and knock it out. And so you have the whole game that you're doing this, except there was like twice or two or three times where you played quote unquote like classic levels, like you played like Green Hill Zone, right? Like in its classic format, where they would just eliminate that mechanic. What? And so like I would do that mechanic and it wouldn't happen, and I'd be like. It was just like a weird thing. Like, okay, I understand that you're trying to make it a classic mode, but don't completely eliminate that mechanic. Like, why? It doesn't make any sense in the narrative why that wouldn't work. The coolest thing about that game was the soundtrack was fire. Mm. It was fire. And um, the, uh, the uh, what you call it, you, you could, like, basically create your own Sonic avatar. Like, you were playing sometimes as, like, this other Sonic character that you created. Wow. So it was kind of cool. Like, you could pick the color, you could pick the way his hair looked and stuff. So that was kind of cool. And it was a very long game, so I just, like, you know, just eked it out. and was like, all right, I just wanted to delete this off my thing. And then the final thing that I beat was, uh, and I beat it this morning, uh, was Mad Max. I beat Mad Max. You played that I, game. I did. I loved that game. I picked it up for Black Friday when, when Jill was down uh, with our parents, well, with her family in Miami. I had to stay in Seattle when we were living up there. And I picked it up Black Friday, like four o'clock in the afternoon. I was just like, I got nothing to do. Let me go to the store. Saw it. It was like two bucks or something like that. So I just picked it up. And I really love this game too, man. It is unbelievable. It, it was so well done. Really cool story. Uh, the combat mechanic was super good. It reminded me of like a, a less like comic booky like uh, I don't know if you played like the Arkham's games, like oh, yeah. Arkham Asylum. It reminded me of that a little bit. Um, just yeah. a little less comic booky, a little bit more real feeling. The other thing I had trouble with sometimes is like I felt like the driving mechanic wasn't great. Um, to be honest, it was like five years. Yeah, ago. I don't, don't even remember. I don't remember having that issue with it though. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but I just, I just had, I, I struggled. I struggled with the driving mechanic, but the, it was a great game. And if you have played it, you should play it. I, th- I got a free one on like, I think it was PlayStation Plus. It was like a free game. And I was like, oh, why not? And it finally took me this long to, uh, Actually to beat it. it. But, but you should, you should, if you haven't played it, you need to play it. It's so good. And then now that we're done with that, the games that I'm currently playing. What the sh- How do you play so many 
games at once. Don't you have to work? I mean, yeah. And do this podcast? I don't sleep. <laughs> I do very little sleeping. I just can't sleep anymore, so I just play games instead. Um, so I'm playing through Nino Kuni 2, uh, which I've already beaten, but I wanted to play again because apparently when I bought the game the first time, uh, I bought all the DLC and just when I beat it, and after they released a DLC, I didn't just didn't play it. And so I'm just playing the game again because I wanted to experience it again because I played Nino Kuni again, the first one, for the, for the beat it for the first time a little bit ago. And I just love it so much. It's just such a great game. It makes me so happy. Uh, and I'm just playing that on and off. Um, I'm playing Breath of the Wild again. Like I'm going back into that and playing that. Such a good game. Unbelievable. But the real game that I'm trying to cr- scratch off my bo- backlog is Bioshock 2. Have you ever played it before? No. No. I, I, I beat Bioshock 1 over, like a couple of months ago for the first time. And they're amazing. All right. So uh, now we're going to talk about the thing that everybody's here for, probably. And that is our playthrough of the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, Jill? So before we get to you guys talking and me, you know, just pretty much remaining silent, because I didn't play, I just watched. I'm just going to go over a brief uh, official objective uh, synopsis of Chapter 2, Fateful Encounters. So Avalanche has successfully blown up Mako Reactor 1 and fled into a passageway that leads to Sector 8. Shaken by the devastation wrought by the explosion, the group heads for their base in Sector 7. What did you guys think of this chapter? Yeah, so I'm going to go and say that this was my favorite chapter. Of the whole game? Of the whole game. Um, Interesting. Well, He's going to say that for everything. Every single chapter I'm going to say that for, except for Chapter 11, and I'll explain when we get there. Uh, I... The, <laughs> boss in that one but i did really 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 enjoy this chapter there were so many subtle details uh and we get so many introduced to so we get introduced to so many new plot points both from the original game and the remix new plot that they introduce here i also just briefly really loved how sector 8 looked that's where the the chapter takes place in mainly and it just looked incredible and I do feel bad kind of saying that because it is pretty much a wreck. It's been devastated by an explosion, but it just looked beautiful. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, for me, I, this is such a great chapter. I just like how we fleshed out the return to Sector 7 and the 7th Heaven. I thought that was very cool. Uh, it did. We did get Wait, to like... Wait, is that 7th Heaven the show or the bar? Because I'm confused from the last episode. <laughs> that would be 7th Heaven, both the show and the bar. There was okay. actually an Easter egg where you can watch the entire 7th Heaven show on a TV <laughs> Yes. That's not official. Don't don't quote me on that. Um, you another lie. <laughs> another lie. I'm just sitting on my throne of lies. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just I love I loved how it um, we it, in this version obviously with not just with the graphics but just with the way that we had to get back to the seventh heaven, uh, the sector seven. We just got to really see the damage that was caused by the macro reactor explosion, which I thought was was very very cool. Um, and just some of the music, like some of the way they did some of the music, like the rearrangements was just, of course, outstanding, uh, just like the first one. Um, so I think now we'll just go to the rundown. So we start off by getting into that service tunnel, right? And so we kind of walk through the service tunnel, trying to get back to the Sector 7 streets now that we, or Sector 8 streets now that we've escaped uh, the explosion of the Mako reactor. And this is like, you know, pretty similar. It's pretty similar to the original. I would say more or less. I think in the original playthrough, like it, even with battles, it's supposed to take you no more than like 15 minutes to go through it. Um, just cause it's, it's not supposed to be, you know, that important 
of of a sequence, but right. they definitely introduced something completely out of left field. At least for all of us who played the original game, it 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 was a huge shock to me to see to see what happened next. Oh yeah, absolutely. So when we finally get to Sector Eight, uh, and the the group kind of disperses, Jer- Barrett gives us like a little emotional rousing speech about how he's there for everybody. And then we all kind of go our separate ways to get back to the uh, to get to the train station, so can we can ride the train to Sector comment? Seven. I should yeah. make a quick comment about Barrett's rousing speeches. Um, for, <laughs> I think every time Barrett gives a speech, I turn toward Alex and I go, "Who is he talking to? <laughs> <laughs> is he talking to the people, or is he just like talking?" You know, like to the sky, because he never actually addresses or faces anybody. He's talking to the planet, Jill. Gosh, aren't you paying attention? He's fighting <laughs> for the not. planet. He's just talking to anybody that'll listen to. <laughs> yes, but that's, <laughs> that's just one thing. I always have to chime in every time Barrett gives a no, very that makes emotional a lot of speech. sense for the train later in the chapter. It's true. He does like it's like it's like he's like talking to nobody all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Poor That's like one of my That's favorite. That's my parts. favorite that he sings the victory music. Oh, it's a really clever way to inject that into mm-hmm. the uh, into the into the game. Um, anyway, sorry for that brief interruption. But a but a welcome one. <laughs> um, so we get we 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 go our separate ways, and now Cloud has to walk through Sector Eight to get to the train station, so we can ride, so we can all ride the train back to Sector Seven, and finally meet Tifa. Uh, and some a couple things happen. One thing happens that's very very new that is completely out of left field, uh, and that is he has this interaction, vision, uh, hallucination. Who knows at this point uh, with Sephiroth? And for those of you who played the first game or the original, we know that we do not see Sephiroth until what's the first time we see Sephiroth? I mean, we don't see him until like way later. I, just, I just to the end of disc one. Yeah, I think so. I I know they talk about him throughout the whole Midgar sequence, but just like, yeah. they just allude to him like, oh, Sephiroth, that was a long time ago, or something along those lines. You don't really know anything about him, and so to see him now was just a huge shock for me. Yeah, and Cloud has this little bit, well, definitely a hallucination where it looks like everything's on fire. He sees uh, or he sees the fire uh, that was caused by the Mako reactor, and then apparently it triggers some memory in him of uh, his hometown, Nibelheim, uh, being on fire. And that just leads to the sequence of a sequence of events where where uh, Sephiroth and Cloud interact, and we're reminded that Cloud killed Sephiroth at some point, and there's no way that he can be alive. But alas, here he is in either real life or in some very real apparition, mm-hmm. which I thought was super cool. That's one of my favorite moments of the thing because that for those of us who are play who played the game that we were not expecting that at all, even though that material had been in the trailers, we didn't know when that material that we were led to believe that, that material would be towards the end of the game, you know? Yeah, for sure. So I, I also really enjoy that sequence. I actually didn't notice the first time I played through it. Um, but during his little vision that he has of Sephiroth, he, there's more and more flames around him. And so I just thought he was seeing Midgar on fire. And the second time I played through it, I realized that the buildings he actually was seeing were the buildings he saw in Nibelheim. Yeah. And I, I completely missed that the first time. So I thought I think that was a, I pointed that out to you. Yeah, I think you did. Um, and I just thought that was a huge, amazing detail to add, like to show Cloud's mental state right now in this moment. Yeah, I thought it was was really, 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 really. Yeah, it was just so well done. So after he has that little uh, strange hallucination or whatever that is, whatever that ends up being, 
we continue on through Sector 8, and we finally meet Aerith. Except you don't meet Aerith. You meet Flower Peddler. All right, you're correct. We meet Flower Peddler, who, we, who, who if you know the game, you know is Aerith. But if you've never played the game before, then she is just you're simply your local Flower Peddler. Well, I, I knew she was Aerith from uh, Kingdom Hearts. Once again, a character <laughs> from Kingdom Hearts finally getting their own game. This is great. Wow, I can't believe they were able to incorporate all these Kingdom Hearts characters into one game. It's crazy. Right? I love this part. So you met Flower Peddler. You met Flower Peddler. Flower Girl, who played the original game, by the way. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up, but since you mentioned Flower Peddler. So you meet Aerith, and Wait, she Aerith? gives you a flower. Oh, my God. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. So you meet her on Loveless Street, which is a famous street in in the game. Like that was like a, a kind of an iconic location, I think, in the original game. Yeah. And you have a little interaction. She gives you a flower for free. You're of course a jerk to her, and you keep trying to tell her that you've done bad things. I don't understand why he feels the need to mention it because all she's doing is giving him a flower. Uh, right, like right. It was, that was kind of some of that interaction was was a little strange, but um, you know maybe they were just trying to like set his just develop his moodiness even more. You know. So moody. He is so moody. Uh, and so then we have this thing with the spirit. So she, you see her start to like get afraid of something that you can't see. And then when she touches Cloud, then all of a sudden he can see these like crazy looking specter things, which remind me of uh, the Death Eaters. Not the Death Eaters, excuse me. The Mentors. The Mentors from Harry Potter. That's what we call them. So, But my question about that, I don't know if this is more for our in-depth analysis section, but it was difficult to tell if it was just that like if she could even see them before she touched cloud or if she just felt them around her. And then when she touched cloud, they could both see them. That's a good question. I actually didn't think of that. Yeah. Cause it, it's almost like when she's like doing that motion, it's like, she's like trying to fight away like bugs or something. That... Yeah. Cause the first time yeah. she was just kind of waving her hands around, like almost like she was trying to shoot them away. But like it, like, you know how, like when you feel like a gnat on you, but you don't know where it is. It, it so actually, it, I couldn't tell if it was that like Cloud could see them when she touched them, or if it was that when they touched each other, then that triggered it so they both be able to see it. I, if I remember the scene correctly, actually, she also looks a little surprised when she touches Cloud yeah. and she can see them. So maybe that's that's exactly what happened. That's interesting, and maybe I'll have some deeper play like as we go along. This might be better for the in-depth analysis section, yeah. or even maybe later down, later on down the road for our podcast. So Ari, they meet, and then she runs away. As the soldiers, the, the soldiers show up because the the uh, the spirits kind of seem to push her away. Uh, you fight some soldiers. You do some more running. Uh, you get you know, and eventually you make it yourself back to the train. You jump on the train. You make it back to the train. You meet up with Barrett and the crew on the train bound for Sector Seven, and then you walk to the train. You have some interactions there. Barrett does some more speeches as as he's prone to do. Uh, okay. With his gun arm. Yeah, with his non-intimidating gun arm. And just, you know, very non-threatening stature. Very. It, it, to me, it's not even an intimidation thing. It's also, like, super incognito. Like, how many people also have gun arms? Like, that couldn't possibly be the guy from Avalanche. <laughs> right? He's got a gun arm. No, we don't know what that is. And he, like, always looks at the sky with his hands up. Every time. Every time. Uh, so, eventually, the train makes it back to the Sector 7 Plaza where we congratulate ourselves on a mission well done, and then chapter two comes to a close. So now we're going to get to this 
in-depth analysis from you guys. Um, so why don't we start with some com- comparisons to the uh, original Final Fantasy VII game? Alex? Uh, so the general map layout was the same. Uh, uh, there were a few changes. We, we talked about them a little bit before, the introduction of the Spectres and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Dementors, if you're a Harry Potter fan. Um, <laughs> some slight differences in the dialogue that if you watch the the making of the, the remake videos that, that Square Enix released, they said that they were going to make these changes mainly because in 1997, or I guess 1996 when they were first making the game, they didn't have the luxury of modern graphics, you know, the graphics that we have now. So they had to, like, write dialogue that illustrated emotion and, you know, orientation and stuff like that. And they didn't need that now, though. So they made some, some slight... Uh, dialogue changes, and I thought they were overall a huge improvement. Um, We do go through, like, the same sections of Sector 8. We go through uh, this plaza with a uh, beautiful fountain. Um, There's uh, the alleyway that where Cloud jumps onto the train and escapes the Shinra soldiers. He he does the same thing here. More specific things that were the same thing was uh, Jesse blows up an exit from the little service corridor between Sector 1 and Sector 8. You bump into you bump into the flower girl in the original game, flower peddler in, in the remake. Uh, you escape the Shinra guards by jumping on the train. One of my favorite parts in both the original and this is Barrett scaring the crap out of the passengers on the train. Uh, in the remake, it's more specific towards one person. In the original game, he just kind of like busts into the train um, sitting compartment area. He's just like, were these badass mofos like get the. F- out of this this compartment, it just like kicks everybody out and starts slamming stuff. It's like get out. And, yeah, and this one dude who in the original game he he he's like kind of breaking the the fourth wall here, and he goes like, "See, this is why I shouldn't take the last train." And then he like exit like going straight through you, kind of. Um, and so I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Um, one th- I did I did want to mention just one thing that I noticed playing chapter two, that I, I knew playing the original game, but just in chapter two, because you get those comparisons to the other NPCs on the train, Barrett is not only carrying a giant gun arm, but he himself is a hulking mass of a man. What do you mean? He's completely non-threatening <laughs> and just dainty. Just a dainty lady. Dainty lady. Who drinks his tea with his pinky out. Exactly. He would... Fit right at home wearing a dress at the Honey Bee Inn. One hundred percent. He is so massive. He's huge compared to everybody else. It's ridiculous. <laughs> no, he's he's the fucking Hulk, man. He's Mr. T. He's Mr. T. Um, the, one of the things that I thought that they they had in the remake that I didn't think they needed to, but it was just a great homage to the original was the wireframe map that Jesse shows Cloud yeah. on the train. Um, and just that whole sequence with like the, the ID scanner red light thing that, that passes through the train that's supposed to check everybody's ID. I thought that was a great, great homage to, um, to the original game. Cause uh, you didn't really need a, a wireframe map. You, no. you could have just made it more modern. Everybody has a smartphone and they have a mini map, which funny enough, nobody has a smartphone aside from, from the head honchos in mid or in, uh, Shinra. It's control. They're trying to control the population. Down with down with the Shinra government. Did we talk about differences? No, not yet. I like the differences that were there. Yeah, I agree. Were they big differences or big or just small differences? Both. I think we hit the the major differences in the introduction of Sephiroth so early in the game yeah. and the uh, 
characters. One of the minor ones, or at least I thought it was it was fairly minor that that they introduced that I thought was great. That I when I replayed the original game, I thought about this constantly, and I like that they added this here. And they actually added it in several different parts throughout the game. Was there are constantly soldiers, not constantly, but every now and then there's a Shinra soldier that looks like they recognize Cloud. Yeah, and they're like, hey, I wait a minute, that. I know you. I love that. <laughs> I just I thought it was great. It made it made the story more whole. Um, I was kind of wondering about that. It's like because. I don't know if this is one of my uh, hold that thought questions, but do we, uh, how long ago Cloud left being a soldier? Um, I would say hold on to that thought, but that's not like a major crazy hold on to that thought. Yeah, that's not a, that's not like a huge plot point. What like did you say, five also, years ago? Because I feel like that would play a factor in people recognizing him. I, I can't remember what the timeline is. We'd have to look that up. I think he says five years ago. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but I do think that's a little added thing. Uh a couple of silly things like Jesse giving you materia. That's something that doesn't happen in the beginning in the uh, in the first game. I think actually Barrett's supposed to give you the materia um, tutorial in the original game. Yes. Like not until you get to, to seventh heaven. Seventh heaven, yeah, yep, yep, yep. The show, not. Um, but yeah, uh, so not a lot of differences. You know, some of the map things like they added some map sections, obviously to flesh out the map and make it you know make give, make it more time, I guess, uh, that you have to spend there going around that area. Uh, and then you have like that Huntsman mini boss battle, which is just the Huntsman is just like a hard version of the soldiers that have those giant shields. A hundred percent. This was my favorite boss battle. Like there was just so many great different segments and, and it was just so fun to just play this boss battle. I could play this boss battle over and over and over again. I did not like this boss battle. I'm not, not at all. I, I, I didn't realize the Huntsman was a boss. <laughs> And so, like when I was when I was like making up our our uh, outline for this episode, I was like, "Wait a minute, who the f is the boss in this?" And so, my first playthrough or replay through of the chapter, I was like, "Oh snap, this guy's the boss, huh? Go figure." Yeah, well, I hate well, the shoulder, the, the the shields, man. The shields are just so annoying. It's like ah, <laughs> I hate to admit this because especially because we we joked about this and made fun of it, but when we last played through the chapter two a couple nights ago just to have that last refresher before we we recorded i played it on not easy mode i played it on casual mainly just because like i wanted to see or not casual uh we played on classic mode and i mainly just wanted to see what it was like i i thought i was going to be very bored but i actually just found it super hilarious because i had already maxed out clouds uh level i had like all my hp up and mp up materia equipped and stuff like that and i had elemental fire on my um hard edge sword yeah which is a weapon you can pick up for cloud later in the game is that your sword, the sword I, that you're mainly using is hard edge yeah yeah me too. I, he, yeah it's uh, first of all i think it's really cool looking not as cool as the buster sword but it's really cool looking number one Number two, it does the most physical damage. So I just feel like for him, it just made the most sense. Yeah. But I found it super funny that like when I first played through the game, that it was a, it, this boss battle was more annoying than anything because you had to find a way to get around him or to like make sure his shield was down and stuff like that. Right. Whereas when I played it again on classic mode, he would hit the shield and like stagger himself, but he one shot at every single enemy in the entire chapter, including the Huntsman. He just like, and it just completely knocked the Huntsman on his ass. Yeah, yeah. I just would use uh, magic on them because it was just so much easier. Yeah. I And I do think, like, playing it on hard mode was 
really interesting because you had to make sure you conserved your MP for that for these enemies. You know, any of the riot uh, soldiers or, or the huntsmen and stuff like that. That's right. And and, and the hard mode is just be the those stupid boxes with like the health and the and the the mana in there are just so much more important than they ever were. So much more important. There were a couple times playing through uh, chapters on hard mode that I I was running low and then i would see a uh, create a couple boxes and i would like leap for joy like i live i'm gonna make it through the <laughs> chapter and then freaking airbuster takes me out in two seconds or something like that yeah i haven't done i've only played chapter one and two on a hard mode oh. i'm just going through it as we play it he's going through it as we're doing the podcast alex has already beaten the whole game on hard mode yeah yeah i'm just going slow chapter by chapter i'm finding that i'm enjoying it that way Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm playing through everything. But that's but I'm also playing a million other games. There, that's um, fair. Did we have any Easter eggs in this chapter? Um, yeah. So uh, a couple, I would say, more minor Easter eggs. But one thing that you'll notice playing through this chapter, and if you've ever played any sort of Final Fantasy game, you'll constantly see um, Loveless. Uh, in this game, we, we know it mainly as Loveless Street, where you first meet the flower peddler Aerith. Um, flower girl, but okay. But <laughs> flower girl in the original, flower peddler in the remake. Um, she's not a very good flower peddler if she's just giving them out. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so what I love about the Final Fantasy series is that almost everything has a incredibly massive backstory behind it, whether it's, you know, developed over the series of different games or in the moment they had this like backstory for it. Um, Final Fantasy and Square Enix or even when it was Square Soft did a great job with coming up with these uh, background stories. So the Loveless Street that we see in both the original and the remake are named after a play that is based off of a in-game poem Um that plays a a pivotal pivotal part in the Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII PSP game, where the main antagonist Genesis Rhapsodus once again um, constantly quotes from the poem. And there's a whole thing that we could probably have a whole other podcast uh, about Crisis Core and Genesis' obsession with the poem, but he constantly quotes it in that game. You will also see a lot, especially in the remake, which I think they did a great job like introducing advertisements and poster boards, but you will also specifically see a poster for the play of Loveless. And in the original game, the the original poster, which was not reused for the remake, the original poster was actually based off of the real-life band My Bloody Valentine. And the woman who was the inspiration for the poster was actually supposed to be uh, based off of the the singer slash guitarist from My Bloody Valentine, Belinda Butcher. Oh wow! Um, but the posters and the play and the poem make all kinds of appearances throughout the entire compilation of Final Fantasy VII. We're introducing a new segment into this episode um, that we're calling Jill's Hold On to That Thought Questions of the Chapter. Um, so when we first did our playthrough together, when, when Jill and I did our playthrough together, uh, she would constantly, constantly ask really, really good and super deep, but incredibly <laughs> difficult questions for me to answer without spoiling some part of the original story. 
Um, and I have to be honest with you, it was super painful. Actually, Tony, I think I texted you a couple of them, and I was like, I am dying here, man. Yeah. Um, so I thought it would be really, really fun to share a couple of her questions that she had from from the uh, the playthrough. Are you going to be answering my questions? Absolutely not. No, there will be no answers at all. It depends. <laughs> it depends, but for the most part, especially the right. really, really good ones, we will we will not be answering. All right. So. I probably had more the first couple of times you played this, but I didn't write any of them down until we played this week. So um, I'll go in order of the ones that I wrote down. So my first question was um, about Sephiroth. So is Sephiroth like a completely separate threat from Shinra or is he part of Shinra? Cause he's supposed to be dead. I don't see why we can't answer that one. I, see, I wasn't sure cause there's, there's background things there. I, I mean, I guess we can answer that he's separate from Shinra. Okay, so he's not in any way related to everything with Shinra and the environment. He's. I mean, well, well, that's you for yeah. I'll move on to my next question. But my next question: uh, Why is Sephiroth again another Sephiroth question? Why is he after Cloud, and is he actually after him, or does Cloud is Cloud just imagining that he is? Which we kind of touched on that a little before in that first hallucination, if it was a hallucination, or what? Um, Tony, you care to answer that one? I mean, I feel like that question gets answered like later in the game, yeah. Uh, to a certain extent, yeah. Some of that gets Again, answered later. Without my background on their history together. Yeah, that's yeah. We can't answer that. That one, because nope. that might well, that might next, ruin some fun stuff that gets that happen would happen in the next game, you know. My uh, next one is another Sephiroth question. I'm shocked. Um, so this was going back to the hallucination where he saw the flames and you hear him, uh, Cloud, talking, um, like saying, "Mom, uh, that Sephiroth had killed his mom. Why? Why? And did he intend to kill Cloud as well? Uh, what is it that binds them together? Like, what's he even talking about?" Wow, another unanswerable question. Well, good, good job. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Super Fun Good Type Podcast, where you ask questions and we don't answer. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, Square Enix and the entire uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake team will, will answer them. Uh, but yeah, man, this, these were – and she was – you guys are getting just a small concentration here. She would – every, like, 30 seconds, she would have a really, really good question. question. She does My know. last question: How did Barrett lose his arm, and why did he make it a gun? Can I tell you why this is my favorite question? Why? <laughs> because in terms of the actual overall plot, it's not as major of a plot point. However, Tony, it still matters. It's still pretty cool, and we don't want to ruin that because that's another thing. No. I would have... Oh wow! It's 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 a really cool story element. I mean, that could have very easily just been something that's just never explained. Oh, it's definitely explained. It's explained at least in the original. Explained. Oh. I I kind of imagine that being a DLC. To be honest with you, because oh no, wait a minute, hold up, I might be misremembering that. No, it's explained. No, no, I'm wrong. Yeah, that's actually a major part. Yeah, it's a big plot point. Yeah, never mind. I take that back. Okay. So. Hold on to that thought. I will. <laughs> Segment five. You ask questions we don't answer. We should just start answering all the questions, but knowingly false answers. <laughs> <laughs> all so, the lies. Like, how did, so, how did Barrett get his gun on? He got attacked by a chocobo. <laughs> <laughs> and he put that gun on to kill the chocobo that attacked him. Oh, no. 
So in conclusion, this chapter was pretty good. Uh, so we're excited to be doing this, and we're going to be doing you know one episode a week or so, uh, and each episode will be a chapter, and then we're both also we're playing them hard. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at, at SFGT Podcast, like us on Instagram at Super Fun Good Time Podcast, and email us at Super Fun Good Time Podcast at gmail.com. If you have questions, corrections, would like to add your opinion, reach out, talk to us. This has been Super Fun Good Time Podcast. We're your hosts, Tony, Jill, and Alex. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Super Fun. There's nothing in the script here how we get to the next section, Alex. Unbelievable.